ready for the power of the preached word of God. I am just believing that the Lord is going to do something so great. We know his word is alive. Do we know it's active? It's that two-edged sword that pierces, that divides anything inside of us that's not supposed to be there. His word will pierce it. We need to have the faith to believe the power of God's word, that when you read it, when you meditate on his word, it's not going to come back void. It's going to do its intended purpose. And we say, in me, Lord. That's what I want to preach this morning, the power of his word that has, will transform you, that will renew you, that will set you free, that will take you back to God's original plan for your life before the enemy came in. Because we know he comes in, he tries to kill, and he comes to steal and destroy. But we know that our Jesus has come, that we will have life, and life more abundantly. Yeah. Hallelujah. That wasn't even in the notes, but that's okay. I'll try to stay. I'll try to stay in the, in, in the realm here, but I'll tell you, I can feel God's anointing already. I can feel God wanting to pull. Because he knows that the church needs a living God. He knows that the church needs an encounter with God. And you know what? It's here this morning. But you need to reach. You need to pull. You need to pull. You need to be hungry. God honors hunger. God honors desire. It's our part. So many times we think that we come and they're just going to give me and they're going to give me and they're going to give me. You know what? God wants you to pull. He wants you to tug on his heart because he has whatever you need this morning. It's your job to get a hold of heaven and say, Jesus, I need that today. And I'm saying he did that in my life. So what I'm here, what God has had on my heart so strong is to, pe to preach on a sound mind. Who needs a sound mind during this time? I'll tell you, all hell is breaking loose out there. But you know what? Jesus could be in here. And again, that can't be shaken. That can't be taken away. My Jesus, my peace cannot be taken away. Whatever's going on out there cannot affect what's going on in here. And that's what I want to give everyone in this room this morning. What God has done for me, he is going to do for you. Because he's no respecter of persons. I don't have what I have because I did anything. Everything that I have, I got because of what Jesus did on the cross. And it was because of his love. And the world has never known his perfect love. And this morning, maybe I'll be able to share some of that because he gave me his perfect love. And what I wanted to share about is a sound mind. I'm just going to read a couple of quotes. I think some of them are in your bulletin. I love, who's ever heard of Caroline Leaf? Is she awesome or what? This is your homework assignment. Every week, you need to listen to one of her teachings. We have to. We have to. She has been raised up for such a time as this. She's a PhD. All she studied is the mind. She studied the brain her whole life. She's a spirit-filled believer who has such a revelation. I'll give you a little taste of some of her things that she shares. It says here, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion that raises up against the knowledge of God that we take every thought captive to obedience to Christ. 2 Corinthians 10.5, meditate on that every day. It says, and what she says is the link science concept behind it. When you objectively observe your own thinking with the view to capture row thoughts, 
you, in effect, direct your attention to stop the negative impact and rewire healthy new circuits. Is that good or what? All right, here's some more. We are not victims of our biology or our circumstances. How we react to the events and the circumstances of our life can have an enormous impact on our mental and even our physical health. Um, let me see. I guess that was... Uh, you cannot control the events or the circumstances of your life, but you can control your reaction. Amen. Can we say amen to that? Okay, I will testify of what I just spoke. I was born into a home with a mother that was bipolar. My father was in and out all of his high school years of mental institutions. At that time, they did shock therapy. He was deranged in and out of mental institutions. My mother, bipolar. You never knew what you were going to get when you woke up in the morning. Sometimes she was nice, and sometimes she was just a monster. That's how I got brought up as a child. I, you know, I struggled with fears, insecurities, instability, anxiety, mental torment, suicide, unworthiness, rejection, anything that you could imagine when it comes to the realm of not a sound mind. I was born into that generationally. My father's side, there were suicides. Just people knew that my dad's side of the family were crazy. They were the crazy ones. I was born into that. So when it says that that can affect our physical being by taking every thought captive, by, by walking in the promises of God, I can tell you it's real. And every year, God brings more and more freedom into my life. And I know what he's done for me, he wants to do for everyone in the room because that is the God that I serve. So it's our job, it's our job to take every thought captive Make it be an obedience to Christ. So we see that um, it says in Romans 12, 2, it says, Do not conform to the patterns of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. We can't be conformed to this world, church. This world is falling apart, and it's falling apart fast, if you haven't noticed. We cannot be conformed to all that's going on out there. They want to conform our children. They want to conform us. But we are going to be transformed, and it's how? By God's word, by God's truth. And we need to meditate on that. We need to hold on to God's promises and not allow anything that enters our mind that is contrary to God's will. We take those captive. We take that captive. You take that captive. So when we sit there and we want to sit and make excuses, we can't. It's up to us. And isn't it very interesting that it talks about in Ephesians, when it talks about the armor of God, what does it say? Put the helmet of salvation over you. If you are saved, you should be wearing the helmet of salvation. Does that cover our mind? Does it cover our thoughts? That's what we need to be wearing every day, sometimes even at night. It, it, it's, it, it is a battle that is going on out there, and it's a battle for your mind. Because the enemy knows if he has your mind, he can take you wherever he wants. He will torment you, he will belittle you, and he will destroy you if you let him in your mind. It's our responsibility to take every thought captive. How do we do that? How do we do that? 
Well, I, I guess I wanted to go through some things too. Um, I don't know if we have, I guess we'll have the PowerPoint. I'm sorry. Okay, fear. So what we look at, I think you've probably heard of some of these examples of fear. Okay, there is <clears throat> fear that some of us cause are to fight. There's fight, there's freeze, there's flight, and there's fawn. I don't know if you've ever heard of all those. Flight, freeze, fight, and fawn. Okay, so fight, I think we all get that. We could physically fight. I've done that. Me and my brother have brawled all the time. There's verbal, you know, altercations, right? I think we've done that. I think I went through the list and I'm like, when it came to fear, I think I've mastered all of those. It's just depending on the day and the situation. Um, there's freeze. You know, sometimes we just get paralyzed. We get so afraid, we just freeze. We don't know what to do. And then there's sometimes that there's flight. We run away. I've been like that too. Situations overwhelming. You see these people, you ask them their history, and it's like, well, I was here for six months, I was there for six months, I was there. Maybe they have an issue with flight. You know, maybe they need to stop being, allowing fear to control them, and they need to control fear instead of fear controlling them. And then there's fawn. I never heard of this one before, but it means to be complacent to avoid being hurt. So the fawn is, it's like the patsy. Oh, whatever you want. You just are very compliant because you don't want to go through backlash. So that's how some of us deal with that. So we see that, you know, we see examples of this in the Bible. I've seen examples of, in my life of different ways that we process this. What I want to do this morning is I want to educate you so that you understand yourself because you are the gatekeeper to your mind. So you need to sit in there and say, okay, I do deal with fear. How do, how do I deal with fear? I'm trying to make it as easy as you can. Do I fight? Do I flee? Do I fawn? What do I do? That's what we need to sit and say. And you might realize with different people, you respond a different way. But we need to allow Jesus to come into those areas and say, okay, why am I afraid? And allow him to bring healing. This was my journey. Okay, why do I feel afraid of being rejected? My upbringing, like I said, both of my uh, parents were mentally unstable. And because of that, whenever we, the children, were an inconvenience, they would get rid of us. So sometimes that was just with cult people, uh, sexually abusing people, um, grandmas and grandpas. Sometimes it was like, oh, well, these people need help, so I'll give them my kids. You, you never knew. So in my mind, at any moment, if I wasn't um, uh, being helpful or, you know, being loving, I could be disposed of. Because my mother was a very unloving person, and I struggled with that for most of my life, is not feeling, feeling loved, not feeling wanted, feeling rejected, um, struggling with abandonment issues. Um, that was, I was inundated with that. And we see that our minds need stability. I mean, you see with your children, they need to have stability. They need to be able to wake up in the morning. They need to have their breakfast. They need to have, you know, your prayer time. They need stability. My life was anything but stable. You just never knew from minute to minute whether there would be food, whether there was a being a beating, whether there was a sexual pervert in the home. I mean, it was just totally chaos the whole time I grew up in my home. And so, so there was such instability. So I mastered the realm of fear and how to do that and how to be, how to self-preserve myself. Um, it got to the point where my dad left my mother because she was crazy, but he was crazy too. And my dad goes and he runs off with a lady that worked for the mob. 
So she, actually the mafia, he, she was in Chicago, she worked with the mafia, and my dad was trying to get child support. Well, she didn't like that idea. So we would have them cut our brakes on our car, and just a whole lot of things that would happen that I don't even understand as a kid that I went through. But I do remember as a teenager, like I really loved my dad, and I would go to visit him, and if I was a nuisance, she would hire one of the hit people to intimidate me. And the, there would be a lady with a gun ready to, I don't know, do whatever. And I remember having to talk my way out of that and, and get out of the house because if not, I was going to be one of her casualties. So, so that, that was the instability that I grew up with, was of not knowing what was going on. But you know what? God uses everything for good. He uses everything for good. And it, it was very interesting. When I had gotten saved, I think the thing that, that made me so passionate was the study about revival and God moving and the miracle power of God because I knew I needed that in my life. I needed the God of miracles that, that could deliver me and set me free. I studied that. I prayed. I pressed in for that. And then I would study about the underground church. I would study about the church in China or Iran because what was going on there? They were persecuted to the point where, you know, they had to hide in caves and pray. Or if they went and had a prayer meeting, it could cost them their life. Or they had to believe for God for food. I, I used to love reading um, uh, Reese Howe, the intercessor, and he, how he had an orphanage and how he trusted God for the food every day. And you know what? Everything inside of that I can identify with. I'm like, wow, God can do that. You know, he could, he could protect you in communist China. You know, he could protect you when there's no food or, or you know, in Iran where you could die for, for, you know, believing in faith. I really identified with that. And my faith level was so great. So, you know, even out of all the cra craziness that I had to come out of, I could identify with deep persecution. And it made me get a hold of what God really was and all the transformation that he wanted. Uh, another Caroline Leaf thought, I thought this was so good. It says, new thoughts are formed over 21 days. And these new thoughts are formed into habits after 63 days. Is that powerful? It's a, our, our minds are so powerful. If we just, you know, transform them, and it all backed up with scripture. We need to transform. We need to renew our minds. We need to focus on it. How do we do that? And there's a great example I look, with, you know, look to. I, I love the story of David. You know, when David was left out, remember when the, the Samuel the prophet shows up and he wants to anoint one of them to be king, and they do the lineup with all the sons, and David's not even in the lineup. You know, I felt like that. There was such rejection and being overlooked. I wasn't even in the lineup. Some people sit and say that, you know, he was maybe a byproduct of, a, you know, an unfaithful relationship. But where was David? David was with God. David loved God. David worshiped God. David believed in God. David trusted in God. Every fiber of his being, he trusted in the Lord because in himself, he was so weak. You know, he didn't have the accolades of a family. You know, he was, he was like that David that was out there. All you're good enough to do, we've heard of the stories of his brothers. Go take care of those useless sheep. That, that's all his value. The world wanted to value David. But when David got in the presence of the Lord, he found out who he was. He was beloved. 
he was cherished. And he would begin to worship the Lord. And when anything would come into his realm, whether it's a lion, whether it's a bear, whatever happened, he knew that the Lord was with him. And he would take what God had given him, his slingshot, and he would fight off the lion. He would fight off the bear, no matter what he walked into. So one day his dad says, David, go bring lunch to your brothers. They're out in the battlefield. Go bring them lunch. So he was, a, you know, an errand boy that day. So he's like, takes, takes the lunch. And, of course, he brings his Lord with him because he brings his Lord wherever he is. And in his day, doing his errands, just like each of us do. Each of us have our errands. Each of us have our life. Each of us, have, and, you know, go through situations. We're going through our errands. We're going through our life. And that's what David was doing that day. So David goes to deliver the lunch, and he shows up, and here's Goliath. He's just sitting there intimidating, belittling you know, just accusing, degrading. And David looks at all that and, wait a minute, I've been belittled, I've been degraded, I've been intimidated. You know what? It doesn't have any power over me. I have victory over everything Goliath is throwing at me because I lived it and I worship Jesus and I know who I am. You cannot intimidate me, Goliath. And you could do the same. Because there's all kinds of voices out there that are screaming and yelling and trying to intimidate us. But we don't have to listen to that. We don't have to listen to that. We could be the David that is sitting there worshiping the Lord in the word, in prayer, knowing who we are. And he, David laughs at Goliath. He said, you, you unfil, un, uncircumcised Philistine is going to intimidate. I serve the living God. I have killed the lion and I have killed the bear and I will kill you. And his faith not only changed him, it changed everybody. They were in such a place, and he walked into a situation where there was such fear, such intimidation, that they were frozen, right? We go through the fear thing. They were frozen. They were so intimidated. Saul the king was frozen. They did not know what to do. But David knew what to do because he walked with the Lord, and he knew exactly what he needed to do. And, and his faith released, released everybody else's faith to believe for that miracle. And of course, the Lord showed up because God even had prepared him. God has prepared me for such a time as this. He knew what was going to be going on. Nothing that's going on in this world has surprised the Lord. If we are working, walking with the Lord, he has prepared us for this day, for this time, for this season. We see that he did that with David. David came across, you know, again, all the stuff he had to deal with in his family, you know, he knew he wasn't going to be in fear of man. He was going to fear God. You know, he, he had to battle bears. He had to battle lions to protect the sheep. And now he was faithful with little, so now God was going to have him protect all Israel and, and stand up, just like he protected the sheep. It's the same, the same strategy, right? You protect the sheep. Something wants to attack and kill the sheep. You kill them before they kill the sheep. Okay, I'm in a situation. Goliath wants to kill Israel. It's the, same, it's the same thing. God is using life. If you let him, are you walking in that victory? I just want to share a testimony. So my niece, I haven't gone back to Pennsylvania for about eight years. You know, sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. Because, you know, I, there was just, my family could be very hurtful and not very honoring and not very respectful. And here I have a place of honor and I'm loved and all that good stuff. So sometimes it's not very much fun to go back home. 
So uh, my niece was getting married. Like I said, I hadn't been home in about eight years. But I was like, oh, just certain people in my family were so on my heart. And I'm praying for them. Because, again, remember the family that I came out of. So I am praying for my family. I'm praying for very particular people. And we get to the wedding, and there's just lots of, lots of love. My family is very loving, but it's very function, dysfunctional in a lot of ways. But my, my brother, I mean, he was a drug addict in crack houses and prostitutes. And, you know, he was a mess. And so many times he should have been dead. And God saved my brother's life. And to this day, I forget how many years. I think he's been uh, clean for maybe 20 years. He leads a celebrate recovery. Praise God. Um, he is, I'm just amazed. He's, you know, he's free from addiction. He loves his wife. He loves his kids. And I mean, he, he was huffing glue when he was 12 years old. You know, he was, in, he was following after my dad when it came to, you know, institutions and detention and, and being labeled as, you know, uh, you know, unrestrained and not safe for society. I mean, him and my dad were walking down the same road, and um, the Lord just changed my brother. But the Lord just changed him. So I, I was blessed with that. And then when I got there, there were so many of my nieces and my nephews and my cousins. And I mean, here, here we, I mean, they know how to party. I mean, we got there Friday night. There was a party. There was a, a pre-wedding party. There was the wedding party. Then there was a post-wedding uh, party. So it was party, but everybody was really happy. You know, it was just one of those happy parties. They were dancing, and my one aunt has um, all timers, and I was dancing with her, and, you know, it was just, you know what? None of that intimidated me. I came into all of that, and I brought the love of Jesus. I didn't have to worry about alcoholism or drugs that were there or whatever was in that room. I had Jesus. I had the love of Jesus in me. And I loved my family. And I would share the gospel, and I would, you know, by 1 o'clock in the morning on, um, it was Sunday morning, so the wedding was on Saturday. I mean, I was praying for my nieces and nephews. They couldn't wait. They wanted to pray. They're like, something lifted over me. I can't stop smiling. What's going on here? And there is bars and booze and everything going on, and Jesus in the middle of all that, setting people free, drunk people free. And I got my brother call me, what happened with Cousin Paul? He's totally changed. He wants to know where he could go to church in Boston. I had my uh, cousin that was, uh, uh, he, he, he let everybody know, I am an atheist. And by the end of the day, he was like, can I talk to you? I'm like, sure. What's going on? Do you need a cleansing prayer? Oh, yeah, I need a cleansing prayer. I'm like, oh, that's so awesome. And he was one of the people that was on my heart to pray for. And it's just like, you know, we, when we could do full circle, we are so powerful. When we could take what the enemy has used for harm, it doesn't matter what it is. Every one of you, we are not victims of our situation. They are our, our, our boot camp. That, that's what's preparing us for what God has for us. So some of the stories I wanted to talk about was, um, well, one more quote from, from Caroline Leaf. 
Um, your brain cannot, cannot change until you accept the anxiety or the depression as a signal giving you the information on its cause or origin. In this way, you will make the anxiety and the depression work for you and not against you. Do you get that, church? So that is like we're, we got our car, we're driving down the road, all of a sudden the oil light goes on, overheat light goes on, and we're seeing all that. You know what? That is so good. We know to stop the car and pull over and look under the hood. You know, when we are anxious, when we are overwhelmed, when we are just being tormented and depressed and stuff, stop. The world says, go faster. God says, stop and figure out what's going on. Look, there's lights. There's things inside of us that aren't right. And it's okay. I want to tell the church today, it's okay today not to be okay. It's a right need to need help. It's a right to have problems. It's a right to struggle. All of us go through it. We're all on a journey going from glory to glory. No one has arrived. It's a journey. So the church needs to know that. Um, some things that I wanted to look at, like when we're thinking about fear, is, is sometimes disappointment. Because there's a lot of information out there. There's a lot of um, conspiracies. There's a lot of, uh, um, you know, just people putting their perspective on what's going to happen in our world. Because everything, if you haven't noticed, we are in a huge transition going on. And like Chris says, either, either it's God or it's the devil. And when we go through that, like I said, stability. We all need stability. And I don't think anywhere as I look out there, there's any stability. But I'll tell you, with Jesus, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He never changes. What he has done in the past, he will do. What he's done through somebody else, he will do through me. That is the God that we need to keep focused on like never before. And um, so, so if we just think about I just wanted to think about um, the disciples. Now, Jesus had poured into those disciples. He poured into them. He taught them. He ministered to them. He encouraged them. He told them, unless he goes to the Father, he can't send the Comforter, he let them know what was going to happen. But what happens in all that? You know, Jesus is crucified, and um, what does it say about that? I guess I'm, I'm just going to go through it kind of quick. So, so Jesus is crucified. He tells Peter, you're going to deny me three times, Peter. Peter's like, oh, God, I'll never do that. I mean, Peter was one of these, like, emotional, impulsive personalities. He would, he would say no before you were finished with your sentence. He never even processed things. So what's Peter's response? I would never, de de you know, deny you, Lord. Never. So what happens? He denies Jesus, right? What, what he thought. So here Jesus, he's not even on the cross. He hasn't even died yet. He's before, he's, you know, he's being uh, brought before, like, the high priest to be judged and it says that uh, Peter couldn't stay away. He just was this impulsive person. He needed to know what was going on. So social media in that day probably would have been around the fire. They used to have fires to keep them warm. It was during Passover time. And here Jesus is going before uh, the Sanhedrin, and they were judging him. And 
Peter's outside, and people start recognizing him. Oh, aren't you one of the guys that was with uh, Jesus? And he kept saying, no, 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 no. He was in denial of that. So sometimes we got to remember that, that our nature, when we get afraid, we want to be in denial or we want to lie. I know I've seen that in my past. Like, you know, if you steal, you lie. You know, if you're immoral, you lie. I mean, some things just kind of connect together. When you're afraid, sometimes you lie. And that's what Peter was. He was being controlled by a spirit of fear. And I could tell with Peter, I don't even think he had time to register. Because if he did, he would have remembered what Jesus warned him about, right? But he didn't even go there. He never even went to the mine. He was just totally controlled by fear. And he said, I, I, no, I'm not with Jesus. No, I don't know anything about him. So we see that, what was going on. And then in John 20 through 19 through 20, I can't read all of it, but it's a story. Okay, so Jesus... Jesus has been crucified. They get word Jesus has been resurrected. The tomb is empty. But where, where are the disciples? They, they are locked in somebody's house, and they're afraid. In John 20, it talks about them that they were afraid. They locked the door, and they're in hiding because they haven't been able to wrap their minds around what was going on out there, and it brought such fear into their lives. I'm telling you this. Because things are going to happen, and we might not understand. Our minds might not understand, but that's what Jesus does. Bring it back to Jesus. Don't get afraid when things are going on in the world that you can't explain or you're out of control. You need to be with Jesus. Remember David. Think of what Jesus did. Every day he would go and spend time with, with God. You know, he was in prayer to, with God. This is the season. Are you hearing me? You have to to survive. This is not optional. This is not optional. You have to be alone with the Lord. You need to hear what he's saying. You need to be led by the Lord and not by fear. Because I'll tell you, if you let, are led by fear, it, it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to get ugly. It's going to get ugly because that fear is, is a very, very powerful force. And the enemy out there is using that to control a whole lot of people. Just think about that for a minute. Medically, politically, almost every area, financially, with our kids, there is such fear. And if we are being controlled by fear, we can't be controlled by the Lord. Because that's what we see. You know, we can only, if we, if we fear anything else besides the Lord, that, then we're not being faithful to him. We have to only fear him. We can't let the fear out there control us. So how do we do that? So the, the disciples are locked in, and they're afraid. And Jesus shows up. He walks right through the wall. He said, peace, 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 peace. What did he say? So they're in fear. He walks through the wall. And what does he say? Peace, peace, peace. That's what we need to hear every day. We need Jesus to walk through the wall. Just so you know, Brian Simmons, that literally happened. Jesus walked to the wall, his whole wall was on fire, and he was just trembling under the power of God. Jesus does that, sometimes literally and sometimes in the spirit realm. But we need Jesus to walk into our walls when we're afraid and say peace, 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 peace. So, so we see that. We, we see that doubting Thomas was there. He wasn't there at that moment, so he got to hear it secondhand. He's like, I'm not believing that story until I see it. And Jesus, of course, hears everything that's going on, and he shows up, and he says, Thomas, 
Thomas, why have you doubted me? He's like, come and check that out. Here's the holes. Here's, here's, here's what's going on. You know, Jesus is very gracious. You know, sometimes if we've had harsh leadership, parents or whoever was an authority in our lives, when we've had such harshness, sometimes we can't understand the heart of Jesus. So we, we see with Jesus, um, uh, he's just so loving. So even I, I wanted to go through the little story of Gideon. You guys remember, hopefully you know the story of Gideon. So Gideon was kind of in a time period a lot like ours. He, he didn't have food. He, here, the country where they lived was inundated by the Midianites. There were so many Midianites that they couldn't even, they could barely see anything. They were just camels and people everywhere. So they took all their food. They oppressed them. And here poor Midian is. He's afraid. Is that what we're talking about today? He is afraid, and he is hiding. So that's what he decided to do. Just like the, the disciples, they were hiding. So here he is. He's hiding in a wine press, and he's trying to process wheat so that maybe he could get a little bit of food for his family. And all of a sudden, just like Jesus shows up, this angel shows up. Just shows up. Hey, Gideon, what you doing? Whoa, you know, and here's this bright light, gets his attention. Well, you know, uh, uh, we're oppressed by the Midianites, and I'm just, just trying to make some flour so I could have a loaf of bread. And um, the angel tells him, you know, I'm going to use you to bring deliverance to your people. Ha, 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 I'm I'm hiding. I'm, I'm afraid of them. I, I'm, I'm hiding in the wine press trying to process this wheat, and you want me to free them. So, so the angel has this nice talk with them, and, you know, again, this is what an encounter with God. You know, sometimes we have encounters with God, and we walk away Sunday morning, and I've heard people say, oh, man, God met me. He gave me a word, and next week, how was your week? Well, you know what? I just had a rough week, you know? I just had a rough, and it's like, wait a minute. You know, you just had an encounter with the Lord, and you're having a rough week, and it's like, God gets us. So what, what does Gideon do? He makes a deal with him. So here he has this angel having a conversation with him, and he says that, that Gideon still can't wrap his mind, mind, he can't wrap his mind how, how God would use him to bring the Israelites that were just inundated with these Midianites. There were so many of them, you could not even see the end of them. They were all, everywhere, just eating everything, just oppressing them. But the interesting thing is that the Israelites have been praying. Lord, deliver us. Lord, deliver us. Deliver us from these Midianites. We're crying and crying and crying. And here God brings the answer, and they still don't want to believe it. I don't know. Can you relate to that? Do we do that sometimes? We cry out for God to meet a need, and maybe if it's not what we think like, because that's the important thing I want to stress at this moment. There's going to be a lot of things that are going to happen that are not what we think. Are you hearing that? Our minds are not wrapped around. There is stuff that is so deep and so wide that's going to come to the surface that our minds are not going to be, we are not going to be able to wrap our minds around it. So to be able to handle that, we need to be able to trust the Lord. So Gideon was in that situation. He could not wrap his mind around it. But he said, God, can I give you a fleece? He said, if I put this fleece on the ground and in the morning, it's wet and the ground is dry, I'll believe you. The angel's like, sure, not a problem. You need a little more encouragement to get out there? Okay. So the next day, just like he asked, fleece is wet, ground is dry. You know, he, 
she says, oh, you know, I really appreciate you doing that miracle, but can you do it one more miracle? This time, can you make the fleece dry and the ground wet just in case it just happened, you know? So we, can, can you help me a little bit more? And the angel says, no problem. If that's what you need to have faith to get out there and get those mini, it's off, it's off your property and do what you've been praying and asking me to help you to do. If that's what you really need, okay. So he wakes up the next morning just like he asked. The ground is, is wet and the fleece is dry. Gideon's like, okay, sign me up. I'm going to do this. And he goes forth, and if you want to study the Bible, that you could get in there. That's in the book of Judges. Study more about that. But what I'm saying in that story, if you need some help, it's okay. So many times we sit there and we think, you know, I have to pump up all this faith and I have to believe, but in reality, I'm struggling. You sure you want me to give that much money? Or you want me to pray for that person? Or you want me to go here? God, God will talk to us if we're just looking. He'll show us signs and wonders and miracles. We just have to ask. So we see that story. And um, there's a story of a, a man. He used to come to our church. He was actually a pastor. Um, and he, he thought he heard the Lord tell him that he was going to write this book and he was going to be really famous and it's going to be just, a, yeah, just, just amazing, amazing what God was going to use him with this book. You know what? It didn't happen. It didn't happen like he thought. He didn't hear the Lord right, and I think there was some flesh that was there, and it didn't happen the way that he thought it was going to happen. That's called disappointment. Every single one of us deal with that probably every day. So you know what he did in his disappointment? He went crazy, literally. He had a nervous breakdown, and he went crazy because he could not wrap his mind around um, not perceiving not, that it didn't come, come the way that he thought it was going to. There's a lot of power in that. Please hear me this morning. Things are maybe not going to turn out the way we're hearing the voices out there. But I'm telling you, Jesus, Jesus is the anchor. Jesus will always be there. Jesus will always protect you. He will be your source. And it's like sometimes, you know, we listen to lots of theories and you know, opinions of what's going on out there. And I listen to some of it, and some of it, I'm like, I think that person's crazy. And then some of it, you know what? I, that really bears witness in my spirit. I think there might be something to that. So I'm going to put that over there, but I'm not putting it above Jesus. And I'm not putting it above God's word. And I'm not putting more faith in what they're saying than I am Jesus. Because if we, we elevate anyone or anything above the knowledge of Christ, it's all going to fall. If you're doubting, just go read the Bible. Anytime people put anything above Jesus, it all fell. And I, I, I know Jesus wants that. He wants us to be totally dependent. Okay, so did you guys get that? We are, are uh, going to be ready for disappointment and things not coming out the way that we thought they would. And we have to be okay with that. We have to be prepared, mentally prepared for that. Okay, the next thing sometimes that can create fear. So we see the story. <clears throat> so Jesus walks through the, the, the wall, and he, he releases his peace over them. You know, peace, 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 to compensate for fear. You always do the opposite. So if you're afraid, you speak peace. 
You know, if you're, you feel like you have a curse on your life, you bless yourself, you bless your family. So another, another thing that happened in this was, so they're all like hanging around. Now, Jesus told them everything to do. Go into all the world and make disciples of everyone. Just like, uh, you know, you've seen me do it. I'm imparting into you guys, go. Go leave the nest and go. And just like I've been doing, go lay hands on the sick, preach the gospel. You're supposed to go. Jesus gave them instructions. He was with them. He, he was the best leader that could ever be. He in, that's what he told them. So what do they do? So Peter wakes up one morning. He's like, you know what? I think I'm going to go fishing. I did it most of my life. I do it really well. You know, I'm going to go fishing. Hey, guys, you want to go fishing with me? Yeah, let's go fishing. So they're out there on the lake, and all night long they're out there fishing because that was what was familiar. You know, sometimes when we go through hard times, we go back to what's familiar. Sometimes it's a sin. Sometimes it's just something that's fishing. But we go back to that because that's what's familiar. We feel like I'm in control of that situation. So they're out there fishing, and you know what? They didn't catch anything. They are out there all night long doing what they thought that they could get some satisfaction and be blessed. Next thing you know, Jesus is on the shoreline. And John recognizes Jesus. He's like, Peter, I think that's Jesus. He's like, no way, really? So Peter, again, the impulsive one, just jumps out of the boat, just goes start swimming, and it's Jesus. And Jesus is like, hey, guys, you guys catch anything? No. And it's, it's sometimes like parenting, you know? You sit there and you think you train your kids, and then all of a sudden, you know, they're just back. I'm like, I thought you're supposed to be cleaning your room or, or you're doing your homework. Well, you know, I just wanted to play basketball or, you know, I want to play a video game. It's like, but I thought I told you. But here Jesus is. He's unsure. He sees what they're doing. And they come back unsure. And, you know, he makes them some fish. He's got a fire going. So they're going to hang out around a fire, eat some fish. You know, he's trying to create the right atmosphere to train. You know, he's not sitting there yelling, I thought I told you guys to go into all the world and reach the gospel and you're fishing. No. First of all, what did he do? He blesses them. He's like, put the net out there and they catch. That's the miraculous catch. That was a miracle. So even in them not really doing what they were supposed to, because Jesus gets it. There was trauma. There was fear. You know, their, their leader just was crucified and resurrected. So, so he gets all that. So there's the miraculous catch. They catch 153 fish, which are, that's our exit, which is the miraculous catch. We are exit 153. God, I proclaim that there will be a miraculous catch at this church. Amen. We believe that. Amen. So, so Jesus has the campfire. He has the fish going and, you know, he's talking to him and, Again, here's Peter, you know, by the fire. Oh, yeah, he was by the fire last time, too. He was by the fire when he denied Jesus. You know, sometimes, like, when you get into similar situations, they say smells or situations bring back memories. I wonder if Jesus was creating that. <laughs> Peter, last time you denied me, we were by a fire, right? And all of a sudden, you're by a fire again. So he's like, um, hey, Peter, do you love me? And he gets offended almost. Like, well, of course I love you. Peter, do you love me? Yes. Why are you asking me this? Of course I love you, Lord. Peter, do you love me? Three times he asked Peter, do you love me? And then finally, you know, Peter's like, yes, yes. Finally, he says, 
feed my sheep. He didn't say, go fishing. What did he say when he first got him? He says, I'm going to make you a fisher of men. And he followed Jesus. And then all of a sudden, he stopped following Jesus and went back to fishing. You know, sometimes when we go through trauma in our lives, I see it so much in the church. God calls us. He calls us into ministry. He calls us to do things. And it's like, well, the church has hurt me. Or I thought I was going to have this great ministry. Or, or, you know, I was overlooked. You know, I'm going to go back to just being fishing. It's so much safer. And God says, no, I have called you to be fishers of men. I've called you to do something great. Do you love me? Do you love me? Jesus is saying that this morning. Do you love me? If you love Jesus, feed his fish. Feed his, or feed his people. Feed the sheep. That's the one that he wants. So, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. So, what we see is, you know, so I think we've gotten an idea of what Peter, Peter's um, impulsive, fearful personality is. So you think of, think of him. I'm going to go through quickly some of the stuff with Peter. So here he was this impulsive one that was doing all these things. Do you know he was the one in the upper room? When the spirit of the Lord fell, he was the one that was overseeing that meeting. He was the one that preached after the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. He was there. He got thrown in prison. He was the one that was thrown in prison. Um, he, he, he had shackles on his arms, his legs. I forget, there was like this huge army of people that were guarding him. In the middle of the night, an angel shows up, takes the, the, cha- the chains off, leads him out of the pr- prison. The gate door swings open, and he shows up with the disciples. He's knocking on the door, and they're like, who's there? And they're like, it's Peter, it's Peter. And they're on the other side, no, it's not Peter. Peter's in jail. And like, what's going on on the other side of the door? They're praying for Peter's release. They're all over on the other side of the door. They're praying, Lord, to release Peter. Set him free. And he's knocking on the door. And Rhonda answers the door and says, who's there? It's Peter. And she's like, well, she was really excited. But when she went to tell all the other disciples and everybody else, they're laughing at her. Peter's in jail. He's like, no, Peter's at the front door. And finally they open the door and there he is. So, I mean, these are the kind of people we're working with in the Bible. So he can work with us. He can work with us. He worked with very human people, with flaws in all of this. So what we see is like, okay, how do we get, how do we get from where Peter was? He's the guy that wrote first and second Peter. I mean, he's the one that, you know, started evangelizing the, um, the, the Gentiles. He did all these things. So how did he finally get to that point there? So some things I wanted to look at was, um, let's see here, get the right scripture. So uh, I wanted to read 2 Timothy 1.7. So this is a, a word from, um, yeah, Timothy, he's saying, um, or for Paul to Timothy, he said, I'm writing to encourage you to fan into the flame and rebuke the fire of the spiritual gifts imparted into you. Let me read that again. I am writing to encourage you to fan into the flame and rekindle the fire of the spiritual gifts God imparted into you when I laid my hands upon you. For God will never give you a spirit of fear. What? God will never give us a spirit of fear. But the Holy Spirit who gives us 
mighty power, love, and self-control. And what we see with that in, the, in Brian Simmons, the Passion Translation, he says, God will not give you. There's a spirit of fear that God will never give us. And that fear is a fear of man. And if we are walking in a fear of man, you know we can't fear God. So if, you, if God tells you to do something and fear jumps in your mind, what are they going to think? Well, what happens if I make a fool of myself? Well, I, you know, I don't have enough time or I don't have this. That's, that's all fear. And if you're fearing that, you can't fear God. And we need to fear God. At this time, church, we have to fear God because he's going to be our protection. I serve one master here. I don't know about you guys. I serve one master. I will not fear. I will not serve a spirit of fear. A fear of lack, a fear of rejection, a fear of abandonment. I served that spirit for almost all my life. I will not serve that. No matter what people say about me, no matter what people do to me, it doesn't matter. I have one God, and I will serve him till my dying day. And I invite everyone in here to be self-aware. And if there's any fear inside of you beside the fear of the Lord, get set free. Because it says it's a spirit of fear. It's a spirit of fear. And I rebuke that in this room. Every spirit of fear that paralyzes, that makes people not see themselves as you see them. I take authority over that spirit, over this room. Fear, go. Can we say that together? Fear, go. Out of my life. Out of my destiny. Out of my identity. Fear, go. In Jesus' name. Woo! So we see that. And then it talks about, for God has given us a mighty power. Isn't that great? He's always like that. If he takes something away, he always gives us something better. So he says, don't, don't be compliant with the spirit of fear. But he says, he says I'm going to give you mighty power, love, and self-control. Is that beautiful or what? We all need that. We need love. The world needs love. And if we are in fear, can you love somebody when you're afraid? It says, perfect love casts out all fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. We're not under that punishment anymore. All the fear of being punished died on the cross. It died in my life. It died in every person's life in this room. The fear of punishment is gone because of the cross of Jesus Christ. So now we could love. Perfect love in you, through you. It doesn't matter what people do. I showed up at that wedding and I was going to love my family. I mean, the odds were probably 90% that they were just going to do what they've always done, but I don't care. I'm saved. I'm free. Perfect love casts out all fear. I was able to love them. There was no fear. In all of that, my mom, I sat down with her the one morning I was there, and I just like, oh, mom, can we pray? And she's still really crazy, but she loves Jesus now, so it's a lot better. So... So, yeah, it's amazing. So, so we sat down. I was like, yeah, Mom, can we pray? And we're praying. And I'm like, hey, Mom, do you, 
do you think he could give me a mother's blessing? Because we, we study, in our culture, we realize the importance of the mother's blessing and the father's blessing. And I'm like, you know, I need a mother's blessing because, you know, I'm a spiritual mom here. I need to bless you guys. So I'm like, I need to receive a blessing. So, you know, I show my mom, I look in her eyes. I'm like, well, this is how you do it, mom. And I look in her eyes and I start blessing her and speaking life. Perfect love casts all, all fear. I could have looked into her eyes and I could have seen a crazy mother that abandoned me, that rejected me, that verbally abused me, that physically abused me. But I looked in her eyes and I saw how Jesus looked at her. And I loved her and I spoke a blessing over my mother. And then she cursed me some afterwards. But that's okay. You know, it doesn't, it, you know what? I am so free. I am so free. It, it does not matter what my mother does. It matters what Jesus is. So sometimes we have to put us, ourselves in those places of testing. We think we're healed. We think we're okay. You know, you could take a class and sit there and think, oh, I got it. I got it. I, you know, I got it. All right, we're going to have a test tomorrow. Oh, we're going to have a test. <laughs> Once you have the test, you figure out if you got it or not. And if you don't pass the test, you get to take the class again. And so many times I thought I got it, and I'll tell you, I failed, and I failed, and I failed. And you know what? This year I made a lot of progress. I have made a lot of progress. And you know what? I think this was one of my hardest years. I, because of, I have to honor, Linda, I want to thank you so much for helping me walk in my healing. If people haven't known, I've been extremely sick all my life. Because of how I was brought up in my home, it, it, was not, it was not a loving home, but it was also a very un, unclean, environment, environmentally unclean. We had a leaky roof in my bedroom, and there was black mold, and, you know, it was just nasty. But there was these mycotoxins and mold. So I, I started having issues with my brain, um, you know, to be able to re retain things. I started having all kinds of physical issues. And it was one of those things that nobody really could help me, but I knew Jesus could. And I kept praying, and Jesus kept saying, by my stripes you're healed. And he would say to me, walk it out. Walk it out. I'm like, okay, God. Yes, yes, walk it out. I didn't know what that meant. I was reading God's scriptures. I was claiming God's healing over my body. But I don't know if you see me sometimes, but my leg, I could barely walk. I think I was working with Donna one day to get my leg up on a chair. You saw me. There was no way. I couldn't even lift my leg up to get it on a chair. I couldn't walk upstairs. There was such pain in my body. Mentally, the same thing. I'm like, I couldn't remember anything. I mean, I, I would have to make notes. My mind was all over. For me to be able to be up here and preach, this is a miracle. Because my mind in my own self, if you study about black mold, it's nasty. It is so nasty. It was, my whole body was full of it. So anyhow, part of that, we always, Chris and I always pray, we always pray, Lord, bring us godly connections. You know, bring us that. And God brought Linda in our lives. Just what I needed. And, and she's been helping me with my healing journey. And it's like, God will bring us what we need. We just need to ask him. So this year has been a very hard year for me because it's physically, I have just not been able to sleep, not being able to move. I can't bend over. I can't lift my leg. You know, I could just be a victim. You know, I could just sit there and be a victim. But I'm like, no, because I used to be, I used to be a jogger. I can't jog anymore. I used to be a walker. I can't walk anymore. So then I bought Chris a recumbent bike and he loved it. And I got on that. I'm like, I can ride a bike. 
So it's not like, it's not like what you can't do. What can you do? You know, what can you do? All of us can do something. Do what you can do and don't focus on what you can't do. But just say, God, you can turn it around. If he's put desires in your life to do different things, it's his job to perfect that inside of us. But we need to be vulnerable. It's going to be hard. I'll tell you, taking control of your mind, taking control of your body, it's hard. It's very hard. But you know, it's so worth it. You want to live the rest of your life and, and, and not walk in all that God has for you? I'm telling you, every person in this room, there is greatness. And that's what we see in Timothy. He's like, fan the flame of the prophecies, of the words that were spoken over you. You fan those flames. You fan them. Nobody else can do that. What's your dreams? When you were a little kid, did God sit there and say, yeah, you're going to be a missionary. You're going to be a preacher. You're going to have your own business. You're going to be in politics. You're going to be in the medical field. You fan that flame. What can you do? Just like me, I could sit there and say, well, I can't jog. I can't walk. I can't do this. But I can do something. What can you do? What can you do to get to where God is calling you? Fan that flame. Believe it. When you look into your future, you're not alone. You're with Jesus. And I'm telling you, church, we've got to walk with Jesus now. Because there's a day coming when it's going to be dark. And if he's not right by your side, it's going to be really hard to find him. So we see... So there's the prophetic words that were spoken. And part of that is self-control, which Brian Simmons also says that it could be revelation light or instruction. Does that sound awesome? So God is going to give us power, love, and self-control or revelation, um, revelation light or instruction. So ask the Lord, revelation light, instruction. That's what God wants to give us. So uh, this is what Jesus prophesied over Peter prior to all his, you know, shortcomings. It says, I have prayed for you, Peter, that you would stay faithful to me no matter what comes. Remember this. After you have turned back to me, that means he must have turned away, and have been restored, make it your life mission to strengthen the faith of your brothers. Luke 22, 32. 